I'm Richard Fieldhouse. Hello, and I'm Sarah Chambers, and welcome to the NESGP podcast. Uh, been an eventful couple of weeks in terms of the uh, release of important documents. First, there was the GP Ford View from NHS England, and the King's Fund have done some interesting work and produced a report called Understanding Pressures in General Practice. Uh, Richard, you've had a look at the GP4 review. Yes, uh, in fact, this afternoon, um, Friday afternoon, Pulse have just published uh, an article I've, I've written about this. They asked me to have a look at it. Um, so that, that came out a, a couple of weeks ago now. Obviously, the headline figure you've probably heard about is a, an increase in funding of £2.4 billion, um, over the next few years. I'm not going to go into that in, in any more detail. Some people are, uh, are, are questioning the interpretation of that. But I was looking at it more from the point of, you know, trying to, to get a sort of a low concessional GP stance on this. And, and really the first thing that struck me about... Um, NHS England's paper was the first mention of locums being that that the the statistics the data they're using as a backbone to this report uh, to quote them says excludes locums it's again it's sadly um, it's a very they're being very lazy in not actually looking at what those figures are it is almost as if the locum workforce out there isn't actually doing it he isn't contributing yet our estimates at NASGP are there are as you probably know there's 17,000 of us that's 85 million consultations a year one in four GPs um, so to, to, to base a whole workforce plan which this document does on on that on that quite startling figure is it, it, is quite shocking and 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 some of the recommendations are i think if they realized that one in four gps were working as locums choosing to work as locums they might have actually been a little bit more creative on that front and on being more creative on, on that front bearing in mind that there's this huge number of of gps working out there uh, freelance independent isolated professionals we could be being used in a much better way and one thing NASGP did some time ago now is we came up with the chambers model and there, there, there's been some great examples of, of, of that in, in it's a fantastic network of chambers in Yorkshire there's the one that, that, that Sarah and I are involved with on the south coast we did a survey of, of, of the Yorkshire and, 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 and Pallant chambers in the south recently. This is all on the, on the Pulse blog. But for, for that selective group of locums that are working in chambers, 90% uh, uh, of those surveyed, we surveyed 70, 77 respondents, 90% said the, re, the, the reason they are working as a GP is because of the chambers. So the chambers has had a huge impact on their decision to remain practising as GPs. Interestingly, also 60% of those surveyed said they're living where they live because of the chambers. Now, in, in, this, in this report, in, in this forward view report, there's a, a lot of talk about areas in the country where GPs aren't working and ways of attracting GPs to work in those areas and there's payments to these GPs well why doesn't NHS England think about some sort of chambers type model in those areas because that may well mm. 
stop GPs leaving the profession in those areas and cause GPs to move in mm. there. How simple is that? Mm. And the, and you know, you're increasing the workforce. It certainly is. I mean, it, it, <laughs> whenever you read these, these these documents and these plans, for the, the words workforce, workforce, workforce just ring through. You you can't do anything without workforce, and that's surely got to be the biggest threat at the moment. And um, with dwindling numbers of, of trainees, uh, working better with what you've got um, seems, yeah. yeah. I, don't see, I don't. Yes, I don't see how you can talk about recruitment and retention without considering all GPs. Um, the, the another thing um, uh, to talk about is, is obviously that they, they seem to see the need that, they, that that we need more partners and salary GPs, and I certainly w- wouldn't argue with that. But what they the way they want to do that is to get to to encourage locums to becoming less flexible and get and, and working as partners and salary GPs. But they haven't looked at why so many of us locums don't want to work as partners and salary GPs mm. and instead looking at, at supporting those people who are already working as locums to help them work, work in a safer, more effective, uh, efficient sort of way. As you, uh, working as an independent, isolated locum when you're organising all your own work, it's not necessarily um, th- th- that easy. It can be quite difficult to do. Um, and and, and so, so, again, by putting systems in place that can help us do that would have been, I think, something yeah. that they could have suggested in that. And also... Um, looking at, at also the positive effects of, of, of working as a locum about how we add that extra pair of eyes how we can spread best practice how we can give a second opinion how we can bring diversity in a way that supports practices at the moment it, it, it locums are looked at as, 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 as actually something that we need to stop but mm. rather than actually yeah. we could we could do a lot more with but there's a point you, you were talking about um, Sarah, in this strike, which 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 really struck with me is that at a time when we're imposing contracts on junior doctors, um, which which who are really struggling to to to, to push back against that, um, we that, that it almost it, it requires there to be a, a network of GPs in the country who can be independent, who can be there uh, rather than being. Because what thing you can't do with with locum so much is is, is be pushed around, and that is probably one one reason why a lot of us are are working as locums. Well, I, but speaking very very personally uh, as to why I'm a locum, um, it, it is. F- f- I mean, I have complete and full admiration for people who are are practice based at the, at the moment. We we definitely need to do everything we can to support that, and I see locums being around as part of that but my, my personal reason for being a locum would be that um, uh, it's the lack of uh, boundaries it's the never-ending uh, increasing workload and complexity without consultation without any regard for what's going on in general practice just being heaped on and on and it, it, being a locum isn't my form of strike action I wouldn't say it that strongly, yeah. but it is my form of saying I 
I can't keep taking shortcuts. I can't keep making very intense decisions every second of the day for, you know, 12 hours a day and, and do this for the next, you know, for the rest of my career. I have to do something that puts a boundary around that. And that's why um, I'm a locum. And it may be that, that that's why increasing people are becoming locums, that they, they want to keep seeing patients. They want to do their bit, but they uh, are creating their own boundaries and working freelance with the support of uh, locum colleagues in a chamber or a group is a fantastic way to do that. And so, Sarah, you've also been looking at the New Kings Fund report as well. Uh, This was really interesting. It was released, I think, in the last 24 hours, understanding pressures in general practice. And it's 100 pages long, and I've had a a glance through. And it's actually, I, I found it quite moving to read um, because uh, by a combination of some very in-depth analysis that they they carried out, I mean, basically they went, they looked at 30 million patient contacts across 177 general practices. And by looking at that data and by referencing other data and by interviews with general practice staff, partners, administrators, practice managers, nurses and GP trainees, they really, in these 100 pages, give a, a, a picture of general practice, which a lot of us would recognise in terms of the stress and intensity and the complexity. And it was just a real nice vindication to see an outside source saying, yes, you know, you're not mad. I mean, we're having all these special conferences, emergency crisis conferences in general practice called every now and then. And you kind of feel why is nobody listening to this we sort of all these calls from gp saying this is really bad there's a crisis and it just the the the, there doesn't seem to really seep into the public consciousness how serious it is um and she makes the point well you you know it doesn't seem to have seeped into the policy makers uh, consciousness either because there is no live data i mean this is sort of a standout study because nobody has really actually looked at what goes on in general practice what is the activity in general practice what is the work made of how have we got to the situation where we're so stretched what are the causes for that and so i thought it was a really important piece of work and staggering for being the first of its kind she makes the point the author makes the point that it's fairly staggering that live data on general practice activity is not captured we're always we get up to the minute data on what hospitals are up to and what a and e departments are up to but a lot of the data looking at general practice uh, workloads and, and modeling for the workforce is going back to data from 2009 and all of us know in practice the world has changed a lot since 2009 um, it feels a lot more different and it's as i say quite moving to have an outside source almost you know saying to me personally but as a profession you know you're not mad yes it is getting more complex and a lot of that uh, that demand and that increased intensity is because and we know this from our consultations but again it's great to see it on paper it's because people are coming with so many more complex conditions and the 10 minute consultation is not up to it it's almost as if in general practice for the last five ten years because we've been, I've been a GP for 20 years. Fifteen, yeah. fifteen. And it's almost as there's been this malignancy growing, that there's something going 
going on that we can't quite work out and there's all this, this we're getting these symptoms of stress and burnout and tired and exhausted and we're all moaning a lot and we we don't know why mm. and then and then what the status is oh actually here's the diagnosis in the last five years the number of consultations has gone up 15 percent 15% and t- t- uh, telephone consultations have gone up 63% and in that same time period uh, the the number of well the, the number you're, you're going to love this because it talks about full-time equivalent GPs in England and again excludes locums um, <laughs> actually says there's been a slight increase in the number of full-time equivalent GPs a tiny fraction of a uh, I think it's about a 4% increase but the number of patients over 85 which is the the, 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 the demographic that is most likely to, uh, which is probably causing more of the workload because of age and complexity, those numbers of patients have gone up and therefore the number of GPs per um, head of 85, over 85 year olds has gone down. And so it, it, I was going to say my analogy would be it's like someone's just come into the room and switched on the light and said, there's the white elephant, <laughs> you know, and you hadn't, hadn't seen it. But just say just abs- absolutely staggering that this sort of data is not collected currently yeah. and that's one of the recommendations uh, that, and, and that policymakers don't know uh, about on the shop floor uh, level of intensity of work that's currently going on in general practice and they keep spading on more um, and this those report is um, you know if you think you're going mad read it because it's it really you really will think it's not just me it's not my imagination this is really rough yeah yeah no that's 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 a good point really really well made right um so if you there's a link on on the uh, on the blog associated with this podcast to the to the pulse article um hope you enjoyed this week's email hope you enjoyed this podcast as ever we're always love to hear from our members and from anybody about what we can do to improve these uh, uh, newsletters, these podcasts. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Sarah. Bye.